Greetings everyone, this is Jim Emmerich. Welcome to the Chointcast, interviews and short stories from across the world that connect us with people who wish to share their stories about leadership, where this passion comes from, and the goodness that results. Greetings everyone, we're going to do something different for today's Chointcast. Rather than Jim or me being the interviewer, let me introduce you to Amy Coppola. Amy? Hello, Jim. Amy, meet the Chointcast audience. What we Hi, decide, everyone. What we decided to do, um, kind of as an anniversary, which Amy will set up, Amy is going to interview me today. So it's a little bit different. It's a little bit of a turnabout. But we've we've had so many episodes together. Maybe it was time you learned a little bit more about uh, Jim and Choink and where this all came from. So, Amy, it's it's all yours now. All right. Thank you, Jim. Jim, if you can tell us, how do people find you? Uh, social media, the, the Internet, Twitter? Probably the easiest ways are Twitter and LinkedIn. Obviously, you can go to my website, www.choink.com. There's even a box in there to where you can make the phone ring. Um, I don't know if anyone's done that, but I'm pretty easy to find online. I'm also There's also a page for me on the Academy Leadership homepage, but there's much more content and description and action on the Choink website. Okay. Um, so for those of those in our audience who are just joining us, um, Choink, is that a word? And can you tell us the meaning of Choink and how it was created, where it came from? Sure. It was, it was, a, it was a, a product of necessity. When I, quote, left corporate America in 2010, I knew that I wanted to start another company, another entity right away. And one of the first things I thought about was, goodness, what am I going to get for a unique domain name? Everything must be taken by now. The, the prior company I started was in 1992 when you could get a name for anything. So I looked for rare words. I literally looked for rare and unusual words online. And I found some obscure pages and web references. And there was a page of unusual words. And I saw this strange-looking word, C-H-O-I-N-Q-U-E. I wasn't even sure how to pronounce it. And the description uh, of the word, the definition, is that it's basically a person, place, or thing of indescribable goodness. And I thought, wow, what a fascinating word. So it immediately stuck with me. And luckily, I found that no one was using it. So it was easy to grab the domain and use it as a username in many ways. And I've become so enthralled with the word, I actually trademarked it. So it's actually my word. And that's why you see the little R, you know, the registered trademark. So choink is a real word, at least in the sense that I found it. And it's, uh, I, I think of it as my life brand. <laughs> it turns out there's, <laughs> there are very few words in the English language that are that long that are only one syllable. There's a, there's a handful of words that are actually nine letters long and one syllable, like scratched or stretched, but choink's a lot better than those. That's great. Thanks for sharing. Um, could you tell us about your transition from, you had mentioned um, your, your transition from entrepreneur CEO into academy leadership and joint. Can you tell us about that? That's a big question, and it's a really good question, Amy. Um, first of all, it's, it's a very gradual transition as a way to think about that. So 
the I probably realized that I didn't want to work for other people when I was 15 years old in high school. <laughs> I actually had a class where it was a class about business, and I didn't know anything about business or the language of it. And the gentleman who was teaching the class was actually opening up a pizza restaurant. This was out in California, and he had so much energy. It just, you could feel his, the energy coming off of him. And I just thought, wow, this guy just decided he's going to do something. He's still a teacher at the school, but he can, and his restaurant was called Pizza Experience. I have no idea whether or not it was successful, but I just thought, I want to be like that guy. It attracted me a lot. So when I, when I left the military in 1992, that's when the entrepreneur really came out in full force. I separated from the military as a junior captain. And that's when we moved to Florida. And four of us essentially launched a startup from scratch without venture capital or anything like that. So that was something you know that's probably worthy of writing a book about when you have that big impulse to do something, some planning, but very impulsive, something that you feel passionate about. We started a company in 1992, and you can give yourself any title you want when you do something like that. About four years later, the original president of the company uh, left us, and that's when I took over the company. And what I really found was that when you're operating a small company and, quote, you're in charge of it, it takes on your habits. It takes on your good habits, and it takes on all of your other ones, too. <laughs> and I was probably as brash and arrogant is and egotistical as anyone who's ever started a company and a process started forming inside me where I started realizing that what really made teams work and breakthrough technology occur was was actually creating an environment where people could thrive and be creative autonomous and dream and you could say the sense of becoming more of a servant leader really started to develop that was a 14-year a period we, we ended up selling that company. It was called Innovative Systems and Technologies Corporation, or Insight for short, I-N-S-Y-T-E. By the time we sold the company in 2016, I mean in uh, 2006 rather, I had adopted a very different leadership style. I realized that leadership, much to my surprise, wasn't about me. It was about other people. And I took that that new mindset into to the company that acquired us that again is a another long story but we ended up selling our company to to a large defense contractor and I, I lasted there almost four years and it was I call that my executive cul-de-sac experience I was very grateful for the experience and I learned a lot but I find I'm much more energized at the beginning of things rather when things rather than when things are figured out so when i left if you would uh, corporate america in 2010 i started choink as we just described and later that year a fellow service academy graduate reached out to me and asked me if i would consider joining the academy leadership group and it was a very strange unusual request a very different thing i contacted 
a dear friend and mentor, the person who was our external board chair at Insight, and he suggested I do it just for the networking. And I decided this would be an opportunity for me to actually bring together different parts of my lives, and for this chapter of my, my life, I could become someone who really works very hard to help others improve and get better. That coincided with Choink. It coincided with that part of the arc of my life. So that's kind of how I got to where I am now. Well, thank you for sharing. I look forward to reading your book. <laughs> Sounds like a great story. <laughs> um, so I did notice on your website that you have a quote from Naomi Simpson, um, www.choink.com, and it states, living your purpose will mean you experience life at a whole new level. You will thrive, flourish, or excel. Your context will change, and so will your view of the world. Is there a reason or story behind why you chose this particular quote? A couple things about that. Naomi's famous in in Australia, and and she wrote she wrote a very fun a fun book about um, basically living living what you love, and. In 2016, is it 2016? No, last year in 2017, I met Naomi Simpson and Michelle Gibbings, both authors, in Australia because we were all speakers at the same conference. So that was that was part of the reason why I put that there. But to her book and why I pulled that quote, when I when I conduct a book review, I like to pull out the quotes in the book that mean the most to me. In fact, the book reviews that I, I, I write now pull out the single favorite quote, and I usually start the book review with that. And in Naomi's book, that particular quote, there were three or four of them that I highlighted in bold. And she has a diagram with an intersection. We've probably seen things like this before. It's a, it's a Venn diagram, four circles. One is what you love doing, one is what the world needs, one is what you can be paid for, and one is what you are good at. And there's a small intersection where far, all four of those circles intersect, and we could call that the point of passion or the area we can focus on where we can do something that becomes significant. And I, I really like that part. I think few of us think about that, whether or not we're doing that in our lives. So that one appealed to me. And Naomi's personal story, which is a, a very fun one, how she really toiled and persisted to become a successful entrepreneur. She's famous on the, the Shark Tank type show in Australia now. But she, she did that, and it, it's, a, it's an inspiring story, and it was very fun to meet her. So that's why I pull, use those types of pull quotes and sprinkle them here and there. Nice. Nice. Okay. Um, looking at the bookshelf tab on your website, you have posted a hundred book reviews. Do you have a favorite book? And if so, why did you pick that one in particular? You know, that's really tough. I'm not even sure that's a fair question but, uh, because <laughs> a lot of choices, uh, not just a lot of choices, but, uh, more, more, um, more realistically, I probably don't even remember all of them, but, but I remember quite a few. So there's, um, there are definitely some favorites. So if I wanted to qualify my answer a bit, I find that when I'm facilitating a leadership course, every course is a unique 
combination of people as we share experiences. And what happens is I end up referencing many of the books during a course because someone has an experience or a situation or an issue or a conflict and all of a sudden I'll remember a particular book that really seems to be directly tied to that topic and then I'll, it'll come out and I'll, I'll mention that. It, uh, think about the, the website or the bookshelf as a resource for those who are curious especially about leadership and personal growth. That's what it's there for. It's, um, it's, it's really meant to, to share knowledge. So the book that I've probably thought about the most and played excerpts of uh, the joint cast, even during some courses, is probably Mark Crowley's book, Lead from the Heart. It's interesting because I haven't met Mark and I haven't met many of the authors whose books I reviewed, but I feel that there's a strong kinship where I might have talked to them on the phone or we're just connected via social media or something. But that's the one most recently that I find myself going back to again. So there's a hat tip to you, Mark, and I, I hope you're listening to this. How do you, Jim, give back to the community and live choink? Wow, uh, another really <laughs> good question. And it's, it's got a couple threads. So from a from a constructive standpoint, if someone's on the Choink website, you'll see a tab there that is called Causes, and that's part of it. But in a broader sense, in a broader sense, when when I decided to, if you would, to, to leave corporate America in the classical sense and not just do, say, you know, one job where I'm working 60 hours a week or something as an executive, um, the idea of Choink was meant to unify my personal and professional life. So that informs some of the causes that either myself or our family want to pursue. And I'll share a couple examples. Um, we, have, we have an autistic son. His name's Jack. And uh, a, number, a number of people connected to the Choink cast and certainly people who've attended the courses know that. Well, so it's no surprise then that one of our one of our groups we support is Autism Speaks. We've we've done the Autism Speaks walks in the Tampa area for I believe ten years now, and for two years I've been the the local fundraising chair for that. So that's really something that yeah, is is both passion, a way to give, and also something that that affects us internally within our own family. Another example would be Zoo Tampa, or the local zoo here, where my daughter and I, her name's Tori, we have an affinity for zoos. She wants to be a veterinarian, and it turns out I was asked to help out the zoo because they needed help with leadership, and so at that particular zoo, I've probably trained and coached over 40 of the people that work there, a lot of it pro bono, again, because it's um, it's a way to contribute. It's something we have passionate about, and it's also part of the ecosystem for our family that we want to be involved with. Those are a couple examples. Buddy Baseball is another one. It's a, a local it's a local organization here in the Tampa Temple Terrace area, and it's really a labor of love where one person and one family stepped up to create 
an entire baseball league for kids with special needs. And we get together on Saturdays, and we've been supporting that, them for a long time. Our son Jack participated in it when he was in the, the correct age range, and he got to be a baseball player. And they would be teamed up with a buddy, and the buddy would be a volunteer, a volunteer often a teenager from a high school. And they would be their buddy, and they'd walk him through going to bat, rounding the bases and everything. Just a, a wonderful organization. So those are several of the examples. I've served on some local school boards. We also have supported Air Academy High School to support a classmate who wanted to help get a band to the Rose Bowl. And even some further flung ones such as Angels of the Amazon, and that's a special charity to, to help the river people in some of the remote tributaries under the Amazon. So there's a great range of those. Sometimes we're supporting one or more of them. And what's important for this audience to know is one of the best ways to support a cause that to do something together is to actually create a new leadership experience where, for instance, part of the proceeds, and sometimes um, all of them, all of the net proceeds, can be donated to a cause when we can fit that in. Choink is really meant to be a profit with purpose organization or um, a very strongly cause-based organization. And again, that was a deliberate act that also meets the definition of Choink, uh, the expression of goodness. So that's um, how we do it. Uh, if I if I think back in time, when I was either in startup mode or in co corporate America mode, the personal lives and professional lives were often completely detached. Now it's all a blur, which is very fun. So every day is an adventure that combines all of those things. Well, thank you for sharing. Those are all wonderful causes, and um, you're right. It's good for the personal and the professional life to come together. It makes life a lot more fun. Seems to. Uh, so the main output of your of the Academy Leadership um, Program is the leadership philosophy, which is fairly self-explanatory. Can you describe why having a leadership philosophy is so critical? Sure, and it's, a, it's another really good question. If I try to condense that, I'd, I'd probably reduce it to clarity and accountability. And I, I think with more stress on the accountability part, when, when people show up uh, to one of, let's say, our leadership excellence courses, you know, one of the courses you attended, Amy, at the end of three days, we want people to have written a personal leadership philosophy. That's a very unusual and different thing to do. In fact, it's quite fun to watch people's faces when it's first introduced at the beginning of a course and then to feel the energy when people are standing proudly reading their their final drafts on the third day. But the the power of it is after it's written. The power of the leadership philosophy is when you find that you're being challenged to actually live what you said you were going to do, or put another way, when you make a really, really important decision. And part of the reason you made that decision is you know that you wrote it, you know that you shared that leadership philosophy with somebody, and you know you can be called out you can be called out or be held accountable on something you made a commitment or a promise to do. And that's why it's so powerful to do that and have it done ahead of time. We don't 
we don't we're not going to compose a good leadership philosophy when we're in a pressure cooker or under a deadline and say gee now what will i do it doesn't work that way it lives within you and it and it grows within you and we may find that we're making big decisions powerful guiding decisions um based on it without even knowing it and and if sometimes when you're you know reflecting or thinking or doing a little journal writing you might be thinking oh my goodness a couple of big decisions there, and you realize the leadership philosophy was there was guiding. So clarity and accountability, I think, are are the two critical ones. Nice. I definitely found the leadership philosophy beneficial. At first, a little scary, but it's good to have it in writing and know the path that you're on. Let me one more so, com- one more one more comment about that. It's uh-huh. uh, I I wrote my first leadership philosophy in 2010. Long before that, I had written a statement of principles. I was coached to do that when we were operating a little company. But only in the last two years, okay, only in the last two years have I really stepped up and, if you would, had the courage to actually put my leadership philosophy on the website. So my leadership philosophy is actually posted on the website. And if you want to feel accountability, uh, try putting your leadership philosophy on your website <laughs> and, and point a couple people to it and get some comments. So it's, it's, it's really something. And it was, um, it was a real treat when Michelle Gibbings sent me a copy of her second book earlier this year. And, and it had a note on it. And it said, hey, uh, you're on page 96. And she put a pointer, essentially. She listed, she listed the website. Uh, the Choink website with the link to the leadership philosophy. She called it out because there were there was a certain part of the leadership philosophy that really struck her, and it was maybe not the most significant part of leadership philosophy to me, but it's something that really um, made her pause and think. So it's you never really know what kind of effect that that composing that and sharing that's going to have. Right. It's funny that you referenced your website. Before our interview, I actually went out and read your leadership philosophy. (laughs) Um, And in your philosophy, you state that effectively turning knowledge into action is our goal. Can you give me some examples of how you have effectively turned knowledge into action over the years? Yes, I can. And and that's such a good question. It, It warrants a little bit of background because... Our leadership programs, our academy leadership programs we facilitate are predicated on what we would say crossing the knowing-doing gap. So I've been trained to facilitate our, our programs, but I wasn't satisfied that I understood what that really meant, the knowing-doing gap, as well as I thought. So um, I know you'll find this surprising. I went and found the book um, mm-hmm. called The Knowing-Doing Gap. And Jeff Pfeffer and Bob Sutton, a couple of real bright guys from Stanford, did a, a really detailed research-based book where they wanted to find out how can an organization cross that knowing-doing gap? What does that even mean? And they only found about three or four organizations in the world that had done a very good job of that. Um, one was British Petroleum, another one was um, Barclays Global Investment, and probably the favorite one highlighted in the book was the New Zealand Post. And what they found was that the organizations that crossed the knowing-doing gap all treated knowledge differently. They treated knowledge as a process, not as a thing to be acquired 
or stored or hoarded or not shared with people. Organizations that crossed the knowing-doing gap had a passion for making sure that knowledge was captured and shared as well and as quickly throughout the entire organization. And so they had examples of that. In fact, uh, the more recent book by Stanley McChrystal, Team of Teams, in a way he crossed the knowing-doing gap without even using that term when, when he succeeded in um, fighting in Iraq. But anyway, so some examples of turning knowledge into action over the years. I would say um, I'll, give a, I'll give one looking back and a more current one. When we were running our, our little company called um, Insight, we were a chip design company. We had to, we had to, we had to be able to design very sophisticated sophisticated integrated circuits, and we needed to have a very fundamental understanding of various semiconductor processes. And we had an initiative, probably towards the last five or six years of the company's life, where we um, we not me <laughs> found a really novel semiconductor process based on silicon germanium and I don't want to be get all technical here but anyway it was it was something that could allow some breakthrough devices to be designed to where we could create entire communication systems and put them into a single piece of silicon and this was this was almost 20 years ago this is the late 1990s this was a real breakthrough thing and many of the things that we did really where we we learned about that knowledge we shared it with our group and we pioneered we crossed the knowing doing gap in pioneering use application of that silicon germanium process if you would um, that's probably one of the things that put our little company uh, on the map we pioneered the first three generations of what you could call RF or radio frequency systems on chip and I think that was probably the first significant professional experience where we had done something where we crossed the knowing-doing gap. Um, in a more current setting, the whole purpose of the Choink website and my style of coaching is based on crossing the knowing-doing gap. If we think of, if we think of, for instance, my website as a a place where people can not just say find a book review but guess what there's there's hyperlinks in all of those book reviews so that people can take action so if they find something that they like or I can refer to what I'm learning and share it with people that I'm coaching all that to me is a manifestation of crossing the knowing doing gap so I would call both that prior example and this current was examples of turning knowledge into action or anyone who's ever gone through a coaching session with me will probably notice that I request a commitment by the person being coached in virtually every coaching session because I want the focus to be on action, on doing something new, on something to self-improve. So I'll specifically request a commitment and, and attempt to secure the commitment to keep that knowing-doing gap moving along. Great. I think I have a new book to put on my, my list for future reads. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in Academy Leadership, we discuss the areas of professionals' lives. Um, how do you balance all the areas of your life? I know that we talked about previously professional versus personal. Um, but yeah, if you can give us some insight into how you balance your life, you sound very busy. Um, I think there's two parts to that answer. 
um, and one is, and it, it's it's something that we, if you would have been trained to teach, but more importantly, um, to model or to learn it, and that is, um, when we get in tune with ourselves, and others, it's better to manage our energy levels than the clock or time, and there's a line about that in my leadership philosophy. So for at least 10, maybe 15 years, what I specifically try to do is I try to align my energy levels with my activities throughout the day. So it means I could be up super early in the morning reading or writing. It means that if I don't have a lot of energy, I won't want to get on the phone or talk to somebody or meet somebody. It might mean that um, I'm in a burst mode for a while in a day and then I might take a nap or I might go exercise for a while and then take a nap after that but when when we're in tune with our energy levels then we can stay effective and productive virtually all the time that we're awake and it leads to a lot of productivity but in terms of choosing what to do when there's a lot of different things going on we can go back to the joint term and one of the the best test questions of whether or not I'm I'm living my leadership philosophy or quote being choink is a simple question that is um, what's good about that <laughs> if if I'm struggling to have an answer for something when I say what's good about that then there's probably a reason to uh, lower that in priority or maybe let it let it fall off the list everything that I do should have a positive response to what's good about that <laughs> so those are kind of my my guidelines uh, energy and and goodness great answer okay um and looking ahead what types of projects do you have in the works so basically what's next for choink well uh in the near term and we'll, we'll see what's going to happen but one of my one of my goals uh, you, you, know, you could call it both a goal and a bucket list item, but one of my goals is to facilitate leadership courses and experiences on every continent. And I've touched four and have three left. So, and one of those that's remaining is Africa. And I have uh, worked with some very energetic, entrepreneurial young young guys in Nigeria to bring uh, leadership courses to Africa starting with Nigeria perhaps as soon as October. There I have, there's another initiative a little bit similar to extend uh, the reach into Latin and South America and maybe even uh, starting to, to do the courses in, in uh, Spanish. And that's, that one's less developed. I've, I've facilitated some courses, for instance, in Santiago, but this would be a, a better footprint coverage and a more sustained thing. So those are, those are two of the near-term ones to, to watch out for. Great. Thank you for sharing. Um, that is the end of my questions today. So I want to thank you uh, for the insight and, and, um, answers that you gave us and uh look forward to to your 200th anniversary <laughs> well that's, yeah, another 200 books well <laughs> right let's see if i can keep it up thank you uh thank you amy it, it was it was interesting to be the 
be the one asked the questions this time. Right? Got to be on the hot seat. So thank you, Jim. Thank you for listening today. If you've enjoyed the Chointcast, a positive iTunes review and kind word to your friends and colleagues would be most appreciated. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, hashtag Choint, C-H-O-I-N-Q-U-E, and visit the bookshelf at www.choint.com. Want to enroll in a Leadership Excellence course? Visit my homepage at www.academyleadership.com slash Stay energized.